I'm This Is The Way podcast host Steve Lascalzo, and I've just watched episode two of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Before I get to work on the second episode's regular recap and discussion podcast, I wanted to record some of my initial thoughts about part two. Like part one, I absolutely loved it. Before I expand on that opinion, I want to warn you, none of my podcasts are spoiler-free. If you're listening to an episode of my podcast, you're assumed to have watched the corresponding episode of the show. If you're listening now, make absolutely sure you've seen Part 1 and Part 2 first, then join me. That goes for our regular recap and discussions and reaction podcasts like this one. I just want to make sure that I'm clear. Because I don't want anyone to have an experience ruined. Yeah? Good. Hello there. Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. Oh, don't worry. He'll be all right. Episode 1 started off with a recap of the cinematic story of Obi-Wan and Anakin. While episode 2 starts off with a Disney Plus snap and then a recap of part 1. We then pick up with Obi-Wan's transport ship arriving in Dayu, the new planet modeled after Hong Kong from the trailers and all the magazine articles that we saw. It seems to be just as full of scum and villainy as Tatooine, except less sand. Obi-Wan's looking a little bit like a fish out of water at the spaceport. This was a little funny for me. It occurred to me, spending 10 years in not just one place, but in self-imposed exile, you know, it might mess with your brain a little. Like part one, Ben pleads with his master for guidance. I'm taking this to mean Qui-Gon and not Yoda. He doesn't call out his name here, but it could be either. I think the implication, though, is that it's Qui-Gon, just like in episode one. The absolute surprise of the episode for me, though, was seeing the clone trooper begging on the street. Temora Morrison gets major kudos. My first thought was, oh, this guy recognizes Obi-Wan. He's going to come to his aid later in the episode, maybe even expressing regret over Order 66. Now, it doesn't happen in this episode, so maybe it happens in a future one, but I really think there's going to be a payoff here. There's just no way for me to tell who this is, because his uniform and armor are in tatters, and captioning calls him Clone Veteran. I watch all episodes with captioning turned on, because sometimes you see something you can't quite make out in the audio. For instance, the stormtroopers clearing the way in the street are male stormtrooper and female stormtrooper. Other than Phasma, I can't recall a woman in live action in stormtrooper gear. Can you? What do you need? About some information. I'm looking for my daughter. Aha! I see what you did there. Aha! Ewan McGregor's daughter, Esther Rose, plays Teetha Grigg, the spice seller who slips Obi-Wan a freebie. I did not know that right away, but I look at the credits like any self-respecting podcaster. What a cool moment for him, and how much he has changed from mind-tricking death stick dealers, right? Of course, she'd be good, but the kid actors in this series have been absolutely terrific. Jacoby Swain plays Jaco, the kid who directs Obi-Wan to the Jedi. He's great, too. So often a weak point is the child acting, but so far, not in Obi-Wan, in my opinion. 
Kumail Nanjiani as Haja Estri was terrific. I knew he was a con man before the show, but I also knew immediately he wasn't a Jedi. I was very intrigued by the mother and son looking to him for help. I was glad we don't get to see too much backstory here for them, but I think this is supposed to be Nish and Koran Horn, mother and son, and they have Star Wars Wikipedia entries. Honestly, I couldn't care less about them. Okay, maybe they were in Expanding Universal Legends or something like that, or maybe they're in comics. I think they're just there as a means to show us Haja ripping people off. I did wonder to myself, though, was Haja setting them up, taking money on the front, and then on the back end as well by working with the Empire, and they're going to be dead? It's so weird who shows up in the credits at the end with their roles and who doesn't, though. I don't think the kid had one line, but he got a credit. Obi-Wan getting tough on Haja was great. I would absolutely have lost my mind if Moff Gideon had shown up in the Spice Den or outside it. Because I I said, what is this, Breaking Bad in space? And then when I thought about Giancarlo Esposito's role in The Mandalorian, I thought, well, that, that would be too much. And maybe I wouldn't actually have liked it, but, you know, it did cross my mind, so I thought I'd share. We get some more trailer footage covered in the breakout sequence, and I enjoyed the nod to the first few minutes of The Phantom Menace with the gas-filled room, only this time it was Obi-Wan's doing with the spice that the girl slipped him earlier. I felt like Obi-Wan stepping back to the doorway after getting hit in the gut and saying to Leia, I'm here to help you, was an intentional parallel to Luke's rescue line on the Death Star. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. You're who? I'm here to rescue you. I've got your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi? Where is he? Come on. Who are you? Your father sent me. I'm here to help you. You know, not identical, but parallel. I kind of hoped they would escape through a trash chute, to be honest. The hallucinations by the thugs was okay. I mean... You have to show them kind of going a little loopy, right? I loved seeing the Grand Inquisitor giving Reva a hard time. I loved seeing her stand up to him a little bit. And I am okay with them committing to Reva going rogue on the Order. I guess the Grand Inquisitor can fire her. But I feel like that's just a death sentence, right? She's Force-sensitive, so you stop working for them and you're done, right? Now, maybe that's not what was happening in the scene, but... Her using the bounty hunters honestly seemed reasonable. Except, the Grand Inquisitor was kind of pulling a Tarkin on here. here. He was going to take the credit. Just like Tarkin did from Krennic for the Death Star. You'll tell the Emperor as much. I will tell him that his patience with your misadventures has been rewarded with a weapon that will bring a swift end to the rebellion. And that that was only an inkling of its destructive potential. I will tell him that I will be taking control over the weapon I first spoke of years ago, effective immediately. Secure the city. I will take Kenobi in myself. You are no longer required, sister. I brought Kenobi here. Stand down. You will be dealt with when we return. Now, as the father of the two girls, the market interactions between Obi-Wan and Leia made me laugh. Here, put this on. 
Can I try this one instead? Half the city is looking for you. Put this on. Yeah, little green cape. You don't need those. And the gloves. I said it once, but the actress Vivian Lyra Blair is great as Leia. The scene with Lola was touching, and I love the part where she's talking about herself when she's talking about Lola being tough. And I appreciate the tightrope walk that the writers had to do for not having the princess talk about Obi-Wan in A New Hope like she knows him. You know, like, hey, remember Obi-Wan? You saved me? I think all he tells her is his name is Ben, and that's okay because there's a lot that could happen off screen in A New Hope, except Leia can read. She's a princess. She's educated. So if she saw his picture on the bounty wristlet, she saw his name right next to it. I'm not fluent in Arabish, but I knew that it said Obi-Wan right next to it. I feel like this would be enough of a life event for her to remember and then want to remember the name of the guy at this point she thinks might be in on the kidnapping, but later realizes, oh, this guy saved me. So that's the kind of walk that they have to live with in the writer's room because their chemistry is amazing. You and McGregor and Vivian. It's worth the issues. Especially since you might say Leia could just be hiding her affiliation when she makes the holo recording with R2. Maybe it's for a reason that we're not privy to. That she says, you know, you were a friend of my father's during the Clone Wars or whatever. Maybe she doesn't want to say, hey, you saved me, remember? I saw part of the message. He w I seem to have found it. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Once again, we get one of the world's slowest foot chases. And like part one, it sticks out to me like a sore thumb. But that's not the biggest problem I have with the episode this time. So at one point, Leia runs past a traveling Doc Ondar exhibit. I mean, it, that's what it looked like to me. If you've been to Galaxy's Edge, you know what I mean. That brings up a thought, though. What if they end up on Batuu? Would I hate the show for that, or would I be okay with that? I hope I don't have to find out. If they do, I mean, it just better make sense. Leia climbing the ladder to get away from Obi-Wan and skipping across rooftops, it didn't sit entirely well with me, and neither did the pursuit of Reva. She would have caught them. They just don't get the chases right in the show, in my opinion. Leia's fall, Obi-Wan saving her, that was nice. I liked Haja coming to the rescue, and most of the time I think I'd call out something like that for being so cheesy, but the actor here makes it work for me. I didn't know what to make of Mapuzo. He says something like, go to Mapuzo and you'll be alright. Go to these coordinates. None of that really meant anything to me. Maybe it does to somebody in the Legends or Expanded Universe or whatever. But the Sabak card? I think that's a Crimson Dawn reference. It was black and red. 
Now, I could certainly be wrong, but to me, that would look like a Savat card, and it looked kind of like something that would say CD on it. I, I don't know. You you tell me. It was weird to me that Flea's character, Vect Nokru, seems to get killed for lack of information by the Grand Inquisitor. But Haja confronts Riva, and she, the crazy person, lets him go. Just a few minutes ago, she was telling him how much they do that's worse. You know, here they're capturing Senator's children in their service, and now she shows this guy mercy after using the Force to get Obi-Wan's location out of him. Just last episode, she was cutting people's hands off. Now, Reva shows up at the cargo platform, and Obi-Wan sends Leia to get things started, and here's where he learns Anakin is alive. The look Ewan McGregor gives is terrific. Lord Vader will be pleased. You didn't know. He's alive, Obi-Wan. Anakin Skywalker is alive. He's been looking for you for a long time. And I will be the one to deliver you to sister i can stand the reek of your ambition no longer so now we get to the major problem that i have for this episode it's the trick they're trying to pull with the grand inquisitor he comes in and tries to bully reva and just as obi-wan is about to be captured reva gives the grand inquisitor the old lightsaber through the chest now it killed qui-gon no one seems to be coming to him with vacta i know Darth Vader, Darth Maul had some really horrific injuries. And there is certainly a chance that someone comes to his aid. Maybe Palins also have their hearts somewhere else. I just think this was awful, though. We know the Grand Inquisitor dies in Star Wars Rebels. There's no way they retcon that. So why do this? Are you trying just to fool people who haven't watched that show? It's unnecessary. I will say this though, Reva's line was great. Watch and learn. Really think I'd let you take all the credit? Who's in the gutter now? To me, it was almost, at least I didn't use a spoon, quotable territory for me. In fact, given the buildup about Reva, to me it would have been more shocking if he had stabbed her. Then at least there would be some question, does she make it? But you know that won't happen. I don't like this little trick they tried to pull. It pulled me straight out of the episode. I said, no, he survives. But I guess maybe that's a good thing, because are you telling me that the Inquisitors can't track and capture a cargo ship? An automated one at that? I remember thinking all these things and having all these issues in my head. And then Obi-Wan's terrified look gives way to a guy who has spent way too much of his time in a back-to-tank. No, not Boba Fett. wrinkle face Anakin staring at us through the glass. Anakin.
I loved part two, even with that huge flaw that I think is really a mistake. But they're going to clear it up. You know he sticks around. Knowing that they have to rectify that means we get to judge their execution of that later. Execution, get it? Vader suffers no fools. And now he's on the table. Not literally. I mean, he's off the table. He's in the suit. You know what I mean? But when he hears his Inquisitors had Obi-Wan on the hook and let him get away, ooh, I want to see that reaction. Two episodes in, and this show is fantastic. I think they owe it to young Leia and Ben right now. The Adventures of Leia and Ben, now on Disney+. Plus. Four more episodes, and one of them is going to have a showdown with lightsabers. I wholeheartedly believe that Vader is the one that ends Reva. Maybe Reva ends up being redeemed somehow, and he kills her that because of that. Clearly, we got to get to a point that Obi-Wan doesn't believe Vader can be turned, but has some hope that Luke and Leia will save the galaxy anyway. It's not clear now if Part 3 is going to become available next Friday or Wednesday. I think the reports that I'm seeing says it will be Wednesday, June 1st. But in the meantime, I'll be getting to work on the recap and discussion. Now, if I missed something, got something wrong... Send in those emails quick. This is the way podcast at gmail.com. Check out our links on linktr dot ee forward slash this is the way pod for more ways to interact, including Twitter and Instagram at this is the way pod. I'm your host, Steve Lascalzo, and this is the way. May the force be with you always. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.